This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome once again to City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, each and every week, we are so glad that you are here to listen to this thing that we call a podcast. Uh, we got a great guest today. Going to get to him in just a few minutes. Uh, his name, formerly known as Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel, currently with Impact Wrestling, and very interesting guy in a lot of different ways. We'll talk to him. Uh, before we start, though, did want to talk a little bit about, uh, it mentioned it as a theory, the last episode, it was officially announced, actually the night that the podcast dropped, that Jeff Jarrett was is going to be inducted in the 2018 WWE Hall of Fame. want to congratulate Jeff. I did uh, talk to Jeff on uh, via text, and uh, he is super excited and uh, humbled by, uh, by being a part of that. and. Some fans uh, question whether Jeff Jarrett deserves, quote-unquote, to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't know that there's any, you know, unlike other Hall of Fames, I, this one's really, if we're going to be honest, uh, up to the people that own the company. So I don't know if there's any qualifications, so to speak. Uh, I will tell you, and knowing Jeff is a performer in WCW and working with Jeff behind the scenes, watching him creatively, watching him produce a talent, watching him create talent, watching him, uh, you know, do it all, basically running the whole show several times. I will tell you that there's few smarter in the wrestling business when it comes to the business. Uh, when I say the business, all aspects of the business, he was so far ahead of so many people when it came to the different platforms that we now use. Uh, I remember him telling me in 2005 about, uh, you know, he, he didn't call it Twitch and he didn't say, Hulu and Netflix, but he saw that coming and he saw television in its uh, old fashioned form, so to speak, going away. And he was attuned to that way, way before most of us uh, even saw it coming. So very smart guy, very loyal guy, consider him a, a good friend and want to congratulate Jeff Jarrett being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if there are qualifications, the guy is more than qualified, whether he will work in any capacity after uh, WrestleMania week with WWE. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, kind of interesting. You know, JB just jumped, and uh, JB and Jeff are close, and uh, just saying, it'd be an interesting. I don't know any. I swear, I don't know anything. If I knew anything, uh, I'd, I'd use it to promote the podcast or to promote on social media. I don't know anything. But uh, sometimes one plus one equals two, and sometimes it doesn't, and time will tell. Hey, do you want to remind you to... Uh, Hook up with me on social media at David Penzer, all one word, at Penzer Ringside. You could also email me at David Penzer, all one word, at radioinfluence.com. We invite you to check us out on all platforms every week. We invite you to subscribe if you have not already. Leave a review if you have not already. And spread the word. Uh, we're trying hard to find better guests and, and more interesting people to talk to. And I think the, this year is going to be... Uh, if, if, if I get half of the guys that I'm aiming for, I think we're going to uh, have some really fun conversations with some really heavy hitters. As far as this week's interview, uh, we are taping this after I conducted my interview with Matt Seidel. Got a question for you. Have you ever had like a, a really good dinner, 
but like there was a huge party in the in the adjoining room and the meal was really good and all kinds of interesting flavors and uh, from the chef but you know the 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 experience was hampered by the greek wedding in the other room breaking plates and uh tearing the place apart uh if you've experienced anything like that you might understand what you're going to hear for the next 45 minutes or so we do apologize we worked extensively with Matt to, we had some audio issues. Uh, he, we knew that he was going to be uh, traveling uh, while we were taping this interview. And we've had many guests that uh, travel while they're taping. And with uh, technology the way it is, we're usually able to make it uh, sound as, as good as possible. I want, want you to know that uh, Mr. P. Tuck here, who's in charge of everything, along with his business partner and who produces this show, runs everything, tries uh, his very, very hardest to uh, get this to sound as perfect as possible and, and get us as a radio influence family to produce the very best and best quality content. But sometimes it just doesn't work, right, Jerry? Yep. So sometimes I promise you it's an interesting conversation. I promise you it went places that I had no idea it was going to go. I promised you if you always wondered what pro wrestling gorilla was, uh, you're going to be even more intrigued after listening to about a 10 minute conversation that Matt and I, I have about pro wrestling gorilla. Uh, he's a very, like I said, smart guy, talented guy, different kind of cat, they say. And I think he'd be the first person to admit it. And that's not an insult in any way, but we tried to fix it. And we decided that at that point we could either do the interview or not do a show this week. I wanted to do a show this week and, and Matt's an interesting guest. And, uh, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the best of technological intentions, if that is a word, we bring you Matt Seidel. All right, sitting ringside with me this week is a veteran who I'm going to talk to him about this, but in my mind may have peaked too early. And I want to want to get his take on that. Uh, but uh, extremely talented, extremely charismatic wrestler. Been all around the world, done it all, and uh, is now competing uh, for Impact Wrestling, among others. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to City Ringside, formerly known as Evan Bourne, uh, Matt Seidel. Welcome, sir. How are you? Greetings and salutations. Do you, do, you, do you have any idea what I mean by peaking early? Uh, sure. I mean, if you're, if you're saying that I was really good a while ago and not so good now. No, uh, nothing. It, I, do, I do feel like... Um, a trailblazer, somebody who was doing things kind of in the fog of wrestling back before everything was interconnected. Uh, not, you know, not, I think it wasn't anything like that. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start where I was gonna start, but then I want to go back because we're, we're talking a little bit uh, before we started about Kid Cash beating the shit out of you when you were training and and being knowing Kid Cash for about 20 years. I want to hear that, but uh, yeah, but 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 in my research and doing this interview. I found out that uh, at one point you won a tournament that was a pretty big tournament in the independent world. It was the Ted Petty Invitational. Uh, Ted Petty was a really good friend of mine. Before we, uh, I tell the story uh, and get to my point, just wondering, did you ever get a chance to meet him before he passed? Uh, no, I did not. Great guy, great guy. Uh, we've talked about him before on this show and uh, left us way too soon. But they uh, they had an Invitational and. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna list uh, to the best of my ability the names of the uh, the talent that you beat to win the Ted Petty Invitational. But I'm gonna list their names 
in 2018 what they're known as. So you beat in this tournament to win Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Chris Sabin, and Kevin Owens. Is that correct? Yeah, and maybe Eric Cannon too. I don't know, I'm not, so not the funny yeah. the funny thing is about three years ago, Chris Sabin would four years ago maybe Chris Sabin would probably have been the biggest name on that list, and and he has had a great career taking nothing away from Chris Sabin, but Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens you could say are uh, you know in the top twenty of of who's your favorite wrestler uh, if you ask any WWE fan these days. So when I say peaking too soon, my question to you is to start things off with a bang. Do you think that you went to the WWE too soon because those guys waited a little longer and uh, it's less about size now and more about charisma and um, and those guys are on top. The guys you beat to win, sure, it's a tournament, it's professional wrestling. Uh, you know, we all know it's not a shoot, but those names are now, you know, in, in the mix for WrestleMania and, and, you're, and you're not. So that's why I say I wonder if you peaked too soon. Well... I mean, don't forget, I, I mean, I wrestled with Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. I've, I've done plenty. And in fact, I mean, I never, I'm not the kind of person who plays the could have, should have, would have game. I am lucky to have been uh, working with those guys at such a young age. And it was sort of that collaboration unit, that collective that we had there that we wanted to be the future of wrestling. And it's evident we knew it then and we were just ready to shout it to the rooftops. That's what we did with that tournament, and that's what ended up happening in wrestling. Just took a little bit of time, but no, I wouldn't have it happen any other way. As much as I'd love to work with those guys right now, I'm I'm absolutely, everything happens exactly how it should. Yeah, I believe so. So let's get back to uh, Kid Cash. You started uh, in St. Louis area, correct? Yes. And uh, you were telling me before we started that... Uh, you're trying by, by some local guys, and then uh, Kid Cash was the first quote-unquote legit guy to come in and, and, and tell you a little bit and show you a little bit about the business. Uh, tell me about that. Oh, yeah, man. He came in and tuned me right up. I mean, you have uh, the, the, the place where I began wrestling. It was a great place to get started, but essentially we were running on backyard wrestling momentum. You know, when we were kids, they told us not to try it at home, so that was exactly what we went and did, and it was a good thing. We didn't listen. It was a good thing. We thought for ourselves and just were, were able to get a ring when we were young and really kind of uh, start to develop and get comfortable in a ring. So that way, when the big opportunity came, like when they brought Kid Cash into town, I was able to roll with the punches or, should I say, the chops, which came and absolutely ate my little tasty chest up. <laughs> um, Kid Cash taught, taught us that the lesson of the world-class wrestler and you don't, you know, if there's not one in your hometown, you don't find out till you're nose to nose with them. And a wrestling guy like Cash forces you to either make a big jump and progress a, a gigantic step all in one moment, or you fall down and die and quit and give up. Uh, Jimmy Noble did the same thing to me a little bit later on in my career. But it's those two guys that, you know, they, they're able to push you in a way that, that helps you get to that next, even though everything comes in itty bitty steps, they have you make that big jump all of a sudden when you're thrown into deep waters with the world-class wrestlers. You went to Ring of Honor twice. Uh, the first time was right after, if the dates are right, I, I looked it up, right after the, uh, the Kerry Silken bought the company, and it was a time of flux in Ring of Honor. When you got there, uh, how was the morale regarding that whole situation? 
I mean, I don't know. The the guys in Alaska that I've always worked with have always been incredible from like the Briscoe brothers, Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe. You got to imagine when Christopher Daniels is the leader in your locker room, the attitude backstage is pretty good. Uh, he, there's just, there's just this uh, level of class and, you know, class mixed with hard work, effort, and, and really, you know, priding yourselves on technique and, and, uh, remaining honest to the tenets of pro wrestling. I mean, that's kind of what I found at that Ring of Honor locker room was everything that we had dreamed wrestling was going to be. The mentality of the wrestlers was we're, we're doing our thing regardless of what anybody else says. We believe in it a very headstrong and uh, very much valued what we did. And it didn't matter, you know, the, the same way people are, are pride to wrestling going out there if it's, you know, 3,000 or 3 million people. It's also feeling validity in your matches, regardless of how many people are there, and knowing that you're going out and doing honest, true work or true art, and uh, really taking pride in it. So, uh, the, the, talk about a stack roster at the time, and even when you went back, even today, it's a stack roster. Um, uh, I'm wondering if uh, at that point, with uh, Kerry Silken buying the company, uh, if there was a feeling that. Uh, you guys could actually make this into a viable uh, second, you know, and, 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 and some would say they've gotten there, but a viable uh, competitor to WWE. I don't think at the time, uh, back in 2004 and five that, that, that they were there. Uh, was there a feeling that that would be something that could happen? Or was there more of a feeling that this is a building block to something more? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you're, that's like a weird collective locker room thing. And when you got a, a bunch of guys that only get together every weekend, our focus is on the work at hand. We're not really sitting out there, you know, daydreaming about in five years how we're going to be billionaires sitting on a beach. That was never the idea. The idea was to foster a community of creatives where we could put our heads together. And with the experience of the guys from, let's say, you had these guys from Montreal, and then you got some guys from Missouri, and then you throw in who knows some Japanese wrestlers and all of a sudden you've got this new era of wrestling that just has blossomed that has really connected to the new age, the new era of professional wrestling fans. What we were doing is we weren't ever trying to impress the old people, uh, uh, the old fans. We were definitely trying to impress the old wrestlers, uh, the veterans that you, whose respects you want to earn. But it was about growing the fan base and, and reaching out to those last wrestling fans and saying, hey, everything that you like about wrestling we like too. We're in love with the same aspects of wrestling that you are. And guess what? Dun, da, 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 here they are. They exist. You just had to find us. And now with the internet, it's so much easier to find us. And of course, Ring of Honor is a hot company. And of course, PWG are gigantic. And the Young Bucks are huge. I mean, they deserve it. So basically, what you're saying, I think, is, is and I have a lot of respect for this, it's a group of wrestling fans who had the athletic ability to be able to do what they enjoyed watching others before them uh, do and to be able to put on a show for their, for people that are also fans. Would that kind of wrap it up? Yeah. And if you look at the new generation, that's exactly what this next group of guys are doing. They're doing all the stuff we did, but more athletically, even crazier in seeing it from um, the, the modern perspective from a younger uh, point of view from, as I like to call it, the Snapchat point of view, you know, whatever the latest, newest, uh, technology is the the right. You better believe wrestlers are on top of it. 
I mean, I think we've done a really good job in connecting to and building a community of mutual respect as opposed to the old school idea of partying people and, and trying to take money from them or, or pry, pry somebody's hard-earned money from them for some kind of carnival trip. And we're able to give them the experience that they want and crave and co-participate and co-create with us. Well, there certainly was a, a long, for a long time, there was a, uh, an attitude in the business of uh, a carnival atmosphere. And when I say that, I mean, you know, uh, how much can we draw? You know, what, what, can we, what kind of gimmick match can we do to, to draw the biggest crowd? And, and I respect the fact that you guys were more about what kind of show can we put on and hope it draws than, uh, than what kind of gimmick we could do than, than how it drew. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, uh, both uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and Ring of Honor somewhat working together are, are doing the same thing, would you say? Yeah, I just saying that you don't need to be number one or be on TV to be valid. That if you make wrestling in your backyard, it's just as valid as 80,000 people at WrestleMania. Uh, it's the spirit of it. And, I, and for me, it's the experience of it. Well, Dave, I really don't approach wrestling or very much anything the same way that traditional people do. Uh, a lot of people in wrestling are wrapped up in history books and records and, and accolades. And for me, it's about the experience. And it's about the experience that the fans have with their friends and family while they're at the shows. That's the real take home. That's the real importance is that relationship between the fans, friends and family and the bonds that they create at these shows, the experiences that they share and grow with and will remember for the rest of their lives. You know, that's what's great in wrestling. You know, for me, I would definitely say I haven't peaked yet because the way the fans react today is the greatest that they ever have. Uh, and especially relating to me emotionally and connecting and feeling a real genuine bond. So I, I feel like I've got a, a, a resurgence abound and it's because of my friends and those guys that I worked with so many years ago. And really the guys that taught me how to wrestle through osmosis, like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Brian Danielson and being on shows with those guys is what helped uh, elevate me to the next level. So you end up in uh, OVW. Uh, you're only there a few months before they stop working uh, with WWE and or WWE stopped working with them and then went to Florida Championship Wrestling here in Tampa. Um, what, how is it working for both places and what were the differences between OVW and FCW, if any? Yeah, I mean, they were completely different organizations. One was a wrestling organization out of Kentucky. The other one was a wrestling organization based out of Florida. You can imagine the cultural differences, the wrestling heritage uh, differences, but also plenty of parallels. And I really got to work with a lot of the same crew. Uh, unfortunately, the people we left behind in Louisville, the people that were the non-contract guys, there was a ton of very talented guys um, that weren't able to get to Florida, but then eventually did, and probably and quite a few of them ended up getting signed. Uh, they were both places where young, hungry wrestlers were showing up and pushing each other to the limits. I felt uh, at both those places, I had people making me question every iota of my life from the second I got up to the second I went to sleep. And uh, my self-awareness grew and my wrestling skills grew because I had never been in places focused on learning wrestling. I had spent most of my time performing and uh, having that script flipped on me, coming from Japan, doing 250 shows the year before and then getting dropped into a place where you're doing practice at you know 8 or 10 a.m was a big change for me but you know for me that's 
a ring is my home. I could like for for me, if I just stayed at the gym, I'd be happy. All I ever really wanted when I was a kid was to have a ring in my backyard. And you know, now where I live, I run a wrestling school. I basically have a ring in my backyard, and you know, living the dream. Yeah, we're gonna get to the wrestling school, but uh, and you had mentioned this earlier, 2010, uh, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, in a uh, packed stadium, you competed at uh, WrestleMania 26. Uh, how was that? You know, as a longtime fan and 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 you talk about, you know, and I and I know you and I know that when you say, you know, your main goal is not so much about making history books or or anything like that, but but putting on a show for the fans. But when you go out there in front of 70,000 people on the Super Bowl of wrestling and get to perform like that, how uh, how does that feel? What's the feeling? I, I love to ask people that because I never got a chance to be in a WrestleMania. And uh, if I had one regret, that'd probably be it, you know, to be able to ring announce at WrestleMania. So I wonder as a performer, what's that, what that's like? Ah, oh, man. I mean, I really, for, for me, the neatest thing about it was how proud my family was and having my dad at ringside, you know, I'm wrestling as Evan Bourne and my dad's just yelling, Matthew, Matthew. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's what was special about it for me. You know, jumping off ladders was nice. Falling from them is, you know, not the most fun thing. I'm not, I'm not somebody who, I don't know to prove how tough I am because I get the tar beat out of me in every match. Um, so when I fell off the ladder, I was just glad to be done. I was just glad the match was over. There's sometimes, you know, you wrestling people is, I, I think people underestimate how challenging and how physical it is. And when most of these matches are over, I, I always considered the best way for most over is Japanese style, which is just sheer exhaustion. And uh, that's when, so my memory from Money in the Bank was that feeling of just, oh, thank God it's over and I'm alive after taking that big bump off the ladder, uh, come crashing down. It was just, uh, you know, and then it's that, that week of WrestleMania is, it's so intense. And those WWE guys worked so hard that week. Like WrestleMania, the, the match is the easiest part of the week, for sure. Without a doubt. I, I guarantee you all those guys are just, all we care about is stepping in the ring and performing, but there was a week's worth of pomp and circumstance and three hour long meet and greets twice a day. Uh, and you got to cart all the people around, you know, it's just WrestleMania is intense. Uh, it is a, it is certainly an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. It's an amazing production, uh, back behind the scenes in front of the scenes. Uh, it's amazing that they're able to do that pull that week off every, uh, every year I've been in around it in a lot of different ways, although never, uh, in front of the, in, in the fans, but, uh, uh, behind the scenes, just watching it's a, it's an amazing process. So, um, and, 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 and if I could go further than that as somebody who sat, uh, ringside for, uh, many of those ladder matches, table matches, I saw one of my best friends, Fit Finley go through the middle of a table, like a Bugs Bunny movie and had to be rushed to the hospital. Uh, you know, anybody that, that says uh, that they, uh, I would say, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say any wrestler who doesn't say that they're a little bit nervous about what's going to happen uh, on tables and ladders and chairs would be uh, full of crap? Uh, I mean, you know, it's just another day at the office, really. I mean, it's, really? The, 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 the scary stuff's facing in real life. The scary stuff's waiting in a rental car line. So, I mean, I would, I would, I would jump off a ladder through six tables before I sat in another rental car line and waited for a shuttle and then went and got a car. Uh, I would, I would rather take the tables. I mean, the, the wrestling is the, it's 
the pinnacle. It's why we we get paid all that money to travel. The wrestling is the fun part. I mean, whether you know the you know it just it all goes together. So the tape comes so with the dangerous world. And it's all it's all part of it. And uh, but I, I can guarantee you that wrestlers we will take we'll take going through tables, ladders, and chairs over waiting in a line at TSA just about any day of the week. It's amazing to hear your perspective, and I know you a little bit, but we don't know each other, you know, all that much. And um, uh, I don't know out of all the people that I've ever interviewed and all the wrestlers that I've ever hung around, I don't know that I've ever found someone who who loves just being in the ring uh, and in a wrestling match, in a wrestling atmosphere as much as you do. Uh, you know, a lot of people enjoy that, but also enjoy the notoriety and the travel. And uh, it just seems to me that... Uh, you know, uh, you're at peace when you're in a wrestling ring. Is that, would I be wrong? Yeah, I think it's a place where I developed the ability to enter into one of those flow states, like an alpha wave state where you're just in that flow. You're in the moment. There's no thought. There's not a lot of, um, you're, you're not in, you're not in the thinking process. You're just in the doing, you're reacting, you're going purely on instinct. And, um, you know, it's a feeling that I think a lot of athletes get when they're in the moment in their sport. And we as wrestlers are lucky enough to get to perform with fans who can help put us, tune us right into that zone. And, you know, I don't want to say I've been chasing that feeling down, but since, since I was a kid, I, it was what I loved to do, regardless of if people were watching, that just had to come out of me. I never thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be famous or don't I want to be on TV? In fact, those are not things that I ever thought would happen uh, when I started wrestling, which is why I think I was able to do it uh, without attachment, without desire to be on TV, without the need to do it. So I was able to just be myself and get into that flow state and people connect to it. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I don't, like I said, and I mean this as a total compliment at all the guys I've known in the business. I don't know that I've, I've, I've ever heard that, uh, that, that, that much of a comfort, of, of just being uh, a wrestler as opposed to being a, a star. And uh, it's refreshing, quite frankly. Uh, and when you were in WWE, who were some of the, both agent-wise and talent-wise, who were some of the, the talent that uh, helped you the most? Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny for to, to have somebody who still romanticizes wrestling and performing, but that's just me. I mean, I really... I can't, I can't fake it. If I, the, you know, when I'm done doing it, I'll be done and I'll be able to walk away. But I feel like I've got so much left to accomplish. Sorry about that. Uh, Sorry. And I'll just tell you, I mean, like I went from being in, in Japan with guys who were blowing my mind, just the way they did things, the storylines, how, how things progressed, how champions were made from the ground up, from the dojo up. And, you know, that's something I got to, repeat and see again in new japan most recently but um so i got to see the ways that the best people in wrestling formulate wrestling create it from the, the entire production side so um being so young i was intrigued by this is when hg just came out so i was so intrigued by the production side of things and wwe have so many employees that are extraordinary at what they do of course, the wrestlers, but in addition, the tech people, the sound, the lighting, a, it's just a very impressive crew. And to be around them, I just sort of assume that every human I meet will be extraordinary because I've been so spoiled with the people that I've met along the way. 
So uh, you win the uh, WWE Tag Team title. They put you with uh, Kofi Kingston, uh, who seems like he's been a lifer there, and he still seems like he's under uh, 35 years old, which is amazing. Uh, t- tell me about your, your short time as Air Boom, and uh, do you prefer, as a general rule, tag team wrestling or singles wrestling? I absolutely love tag team wrestling. I think six-man tag wrestling is the best. I mean, my, my heart is still in Kobe, Japan, and the guys in Dragon Gate essentially created the modern-day six-man tag. The, the, the um, tag matches is it really exponentially increases the amount of possibilities, and it allows you to still remain true to pro wrestling appear completely different and not that you're trying to do any kind of MMA because clearly it's um, there's a level of an implied suspended disbelief in tag team wrestling that we, that we have pure and true to only pro wrestling. Uh, And so that's, that's what I really like about it. It allows for the most creative freedom. Uh, You can tell really good stories. And the more people I have to work with, the more personalities I have to play with, the more fun I can have in the ring. So sign me up for tag matches and six-man tags for the day I die. Did, uh, uh, before you left WWE, which was not uh, far after the Airboom tag team, did, did you ever feel, um, halfway through this interview, I'm wondering, did you ever care? But, uh, but I guess that both questions, did you ever feel or did you ever care that you uh, could be like a, a top a top guy, a Seth Rollins, uh, and what AJ Styles is now. Uh, you certainly had the charisma and the athletic ability. It just uh, like like we talked about earlier was a different time. Did you ever feel like you had that opportunity back then? And again, like I said, did you even care? Because this, you know, after doing this interview with you, I'm not sure you did. Well, uh, you know, only AJ can be AJ, only Seth can be Seth. I mean, if I had done what I did, who knows what the climate would be today. Uh, I just, everything happens exactly how it should be. And I really, I still don't feel like my best work's behind me. I feel like my best work is still ahead of me. Uh, whether 8 billion people see it or 5 people see it, or I do it as a champion, or I do it as, as you know, just me. And it's going to be fine. And uh, so I... I I do have some unfinished business in WWE. It's just uh, after Air Boom, I broke my foot in this auto accident. And honestly, it's still pretty crippled to this day, which is why I can't really, uh, I can, I can work a pretty full schedule, but I do require a little bit more time off than uh, WWE schedule kind of permits. And I was super happy with New Japan and I'm super happy doing what I'm doing. Um, but if, if Evan Bourne was to be, resurrected you know that would be just a treat for me to get to meet a new audience and work with the guys like my to wrestle uh cesaro on monday night raw would be a dream come true you know there's there's still a lot of things that i would like to do within wwe but however i've made complete peace and i and i really was loving um my time in new japan and i feel like if i was to come back and do anything on a on a gigantic stage I would pick the Tokyo Dome over WrestleMania. Speaking of New Japan, you tagged a lot on your, your the run you had there recently. You tagged a lot with Ricochet. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Ricochet. Uh, I've uh, seen him. I saw him wrestle for the first time at at Wrestlecade, uh, uh, not this past November, but the November before that, and uh, I was blown away. Uh, 
What are your thoughts on Trevor, his potential future, and you know, going to NXT, and and how big of a star do you think this kid could be? They've ought to given you this memo years and years ago. I wrestled Rick Rusev when he was seventeen years old. I mean, he's I, I've seen him develop and grow at every stage along the way, and there's really nobody I'm more of an advocate for uh, in wrestling. There's nobody I believe in more his his talent, his determination, his work ethic. And he's a genuinely great human being. The the kind that you can't find at the store these days. Uh, the kind that's made out of Paducah, Kentucky, and just grows up wanting to be a wrestler and does everything along the way to the point where he is so undeniable that uh, there's a big things directly in front of him. And um, I think he'll capitalize on that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I became a big fan after I saw him. He's the nicest guy. Uh, in the world. And, and when I say fan, look, I, w- I was a ring announcer and, and got to be around this business for a long time, but I'm still a wrestling fan. I'm still the kid that turned on championship wrestling from Florida in 1977 and was fascinated by what I saw and how it's evolved. I just think the kid has all the, 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 the you know, you know, and, and because you, you have it, uh, you know, you need talent and you need uh, a char- uh, charisma. And, uh, and I think Trevor has both of those things. And, um, I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him headlining a WrestleMania down the road. Uh, would you argue with me on that? Yeah, well, I mean, the idea of a Rollins and um, a Rollins Ricochet or Ricochet. I mean, these are these are incredible matches that are just there's about eight million matches that could happen that will blow everybody's mind. But Ricochet is just a gift from the wrestling gods to the fans. They have been manifesting somebody like him. For years and years and years, and he's arrived, and he's he he's bringing a whole generation of guys up with him. He's instilling the, the tenets that we learned at Dragon Gate, which is hard work, taking taking you taking it seriously, but not taking yourself seriously. And you know, I think that's a real good key to the top. Okay, now this is uh, this is one I've been looking forward to asking you because I haven't had you're the first person that's been involved. Uh, with pro wrestling gorilla on my show. So I've, I've heard a little bit about pro wrestling gorilla. I've obviously never been to a show cause I don't think you could buy a ticket. Uh, and I, I'm not one to watch, uh, the, you know, uh, videos of shows. So explain to me what is pro wrestling gorilla? Cause it seems to be almost like a cult. Well, pro wrestling gorilla is where the magic is generated from where all the juice that supplies the entire industry of wrestling from. It's this power plant that it's like a tiny little nuclear powered cell that lights people on fire and explodes them into the world of wrestling. What an atmosphere where the wrestlers and the fans have agreed what wrestling is to them and what wrestling means to them. And we figured out a way to get every single person in the building on the same page, whether the guy is whether it's Roderick Strong killing Kyle O'Reilly for forty five minutes all over the building, or it's Jushin Thunder Liger sticking his butt in Tommaso Ciampa's butt, you know, uh, they're able to do all the nuances and all the fun of pro wrestling uh, in, in one building with this. Just it's a shame it's a collective thing that's happening there. And I'll tell you, when I was wavering in my passion for wrestling. I was there and I just experienced what you can only call a mystical 
experience, something that happened to me. I mean, when I had my debut match um, in St. Louis uh, back in 2000, I had like a full-on out-of-body experience. And I also had a similar out-of-body experience just watching a 10-man tag at PWG on the third night. Uh, it's just, there's, there's magic there. And, of course, you can watch the matches and you can watch the gifts on Twitter, but nothing does justice to the ethereal feeling that you can get in that building. That's at, uh, where are <laughs> I'm trying to forget the name of the place. <laughs> So you've explained you've explained it to me. I, I'm just curious because I who who owns it? Is there an owner? Is it a group of guys? Uh, so it's it's run by a very mysterious person. See? Uh, you know, I don't know if I should reveal any information, even though I have plenty of it to reveal. <laughs> I just I think the mystery is more. I think the mystery is even better because uh, you know what what does it matter who has it? But the inmates run the asylum. There is it's it's decentralized wrestling at its finest. Like that's that's the thing is that power wrestling doesn't have to come from the top down. You don't have to be blessed by somebody who's a millionaire or a billionaire to be a star anymore. All you have to do is participate in the decentralized universe of wrestling and you can get your recognition and PWG gives guys that left and right. And I mean these shows are the competition in the back tough. It's it's an insane it's hundred and four degrees in the building. The fans are pat there's Ron Jeremy's asleep in the front row. Ronda Rousey might be chopping somebody. It is, uh, it's, it's one of those places where, uh, like the ECW arena, like Cork and Hall, that's what Reseda is. It almost sounds more like a club than a wrestling promotion. Riddle me this. Is the goal to uh, entertain yourselves and outdo yourselves, or is there a goal actually to make money? Not that there's a right or a wrong answer, by the way. Well, you know, I, I, I think the, the sellouts sell themselves out. You know what I mean? It, it sells out, so the, uh, it seems yeah, but like there's money being made. And it holds, it holds like, what, 200 paid. people? Uh, well, I don't know, man. I, I don't know the numbers. I know I get paid. I'm not a part, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a talent there. Uh, not a businessman, but it's, it, it, serves, it does exactly what it does. It's self-sustaining. The thing is, is when people have a business that goes successful and they try and launch and big too fast they die but if you have a strong community and you keep that strong community coming back there's no need to change like it's it's perfect just the way it is it's you know that's the idea behind it is that it's, it's not about it's not a party at all there's a the sound system horrible and there's no life or anything we can really throw a party in there it would be awesome if we had cool lighting and cool stuff but that's just not what it is. It's stripped down to bear. just wrestling. So if I happen to be in Los Angeles, you know, me and you aren't great friends, but we know each other and, and uh, respect each other, I think. At least I respect the hell out of you. If I happen to be in Los Angeles on a, on a night where Pro Wrestling Gorilla was there, could you, if, I, if I asked for you to pull me a favor, could you get me a seat or is it that hard to get a ticket? Uh, I mean, let me tell you a quick little story about how uh, you can't get tickets for anybody. Ronda Rousey has to pay for a seat. Everybody has to pay to get in. And everybody needs a seat. Now, however, if the people online, and if you're, if you really, if doing the podcast isn't a total waste of my time, you have some fans who would be at PWG, and there's always, uh, 
you know, like any group, they look out for people and they, they, they find a floating ticket here or two tickets there. And yeah, you might, you've got to pay, you have to pay for it. Tickets are 50 bucks or 75 bucks for front row, maybe. But, uh, the, if there's a will, there's a way I can't get you in, but the, the community that surrounds PWG that props it up, that will make you understand why PWG exists. They will be the ones that can get you in. Now, now I don't mind paying. I'm just curious, but but I am curious. Does does Dave Meltzer pay fifty bucks to get in? You better. I 100 percent guarantee you, Dave Meltzer pays for that too. I mean, it's fifty. It's seventy five bucks in the front row. I think. If Dave Meltzer's paying to get in a wrestling show, I'm impressed, and I'm, I'm gonna have to look into this a little bit more. I know I'm not. I'm not a. Dave, Dave was there when we had a five star match, and Dave was there with the endorsement makes it more valid, but it just goes to show that the undeniability of PWG. Wow. Now I'm, now I'm getting more interested. All right. You returned to impact, uh, right around the same time I did. You've had a lot more uh, success there than I did. Uh, you having, (laughs) you having, you having a good time and, uh, and, uh, what are your, what's your opinion of not, you're going to say anything bad about him. You won't, you don't, uh, what's your opinion of uh, the new management, Scott Demore and and Don Callis? How how is it working with them? And are you liking uh, the 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 schedule of Impact? I mean, that's a good point. That there's no Canadian that knows anything about wrestling. I think the whole <laughs> world stands behind me. That Canadians really just don't get how wrestling works or what connects the fans. No, uh, yeah, in total, my experience with Impact has been fantastic. I really believe in it, and I think. Um, the group of guys that's in the, that's in the locker room, we all believe in what we're doing and we love working with each other and we're pretty ecstatic at the uh, flexibility of the schedule that we have and the, and the, the circuit of guys that you run with, you know, uh, and we're running with a good group of guys. I get to work, I've gotten to work with Austin Aries just recently. I get to work with John Morrison all the time. Of course, there's with Brian Cage. It's just um, what, what's happening at Impact right now is Good old wrestling. I mean, uh, when people have asked me, what's it like compared to this or that? It's like, I don't know what to tell you, but it it seems to just all happen very smoothly and easily. But, you know, I just know what I do and I take care of business when I'm there. You know, it's not my first day on the job, so I know what to do when I see my name on that list. Sure. Um, I know you mentioned earlier you're teaching now. Tell us about how that... uh is a, maybe a different experience, kind of experience for you and uh, and how you're embracing it. Yeah, well, uh, teaching wrestling has, the number one thing that I've learned is that physically I'm having a lot of issues. You know, teaching wrestling, you, you have to figure out what it takes to make, uh, create a new wrestler from the long socket meet. And beating my trainees into shape, I've discovered that, boy, my left arm just doesn't work. And uh, the muscle tear that I have is kind of affecting me. And, uh, you know, you, you, you learn your physical limitations and then uh, a lot about the body. And then by teaching people how to wrestle, I've sharpened my game up exponentially. It really has made uh, a difference in how I perform. And really, the, the, it just the more time your feet are inside a ring, the better you're going to be. Whether you've been in this business for 20 years or two years, uh, the longer you're stepping foot in the ring, the the more processing time your brain's getting in there and the more creativity you're going to come out with because you're going to be in a natural environment. And I love having a room right by my house. And sometimes we'll call an extra practice 
middle of the week because everybody's feeling good. And then sometimes we'll take a day off if you know, I'm hurting. But um, I really enjoy Super Wrestling. And I feel like there's everybody can watch everything. But the real knowledge, how to acquire through direct experience, through the actual experience itself, through wrestling the guys who created the moves, who innovated the style, who, who brought the footwork and the pacing and the tempo and the madness to the game. And so getting to work with all those guys who kind of set the ball in motion, I've learned a lot and I can pass, pass along uh, the whys and, and, and really a lot of technique, a lot of pro wrestling technique. Technique has been the way. I'll try to that as well. All right. If somebody wants to train under you, uh, how did they? How did they find? Uh, how did they get into the school? So follow me on Instagram at m a t t s y d a l at matt Seidel. Message me on there. It's the WWN Pro Wrestling Training School South. The WWN runs Shine events. They run ACW. They run evolve uh so this is if you like evolve pro wrestling this is the school that you could go to as well this is sort of in conjunction with them uh but you guys can hit me up on instagram and i'll get everybody set up i basically throw down free lessons for people who want to drop by uh i mean sometimes we charge 20 bucks but if i like it i'm feeling good i just like to dish out the knowledge i, I have a limited time on this earth and i know way too much about pro wrestling to not be yelling at it every single person around me especially if I want to help be a driver, be in the driver's seat of the industry, which is where I feel I am. And so as a, as a driver, I've got to get everybody flying with me. So that, or as a, let's just call it a lot of co-pilots. And I'm just going to train people the right way, the safe way, uh, the way I don't, the non-cringeworthy wrestling. And uh, man, I got a lot to say. So when people show up to these classes, they kind of, I see a lot of heads exploding and I really enjoy it. One more, the last question, one more WWE run aside, because you've, you've, you've said that you would like to do that and wrestle Cesaro on raw. That'd be uh, fun to watch. Uh, But that aside, you're, you're obviously a smart guy. You have a college education. Uh, When you decide to finally, if you decide to finally leave the wrestling business behind, do you uh, know what the next chapter of uh, your life will be? Or is that something you're leaving up to, uh, this is someone to point you in the right direction. Well, you know, I've, I, I do think I can make a living in wrestling till the day I die, but I don't know how I will enjoy it that long. So, um, I, I've been, for me, um, my interests are quite peculiar. I'm, I'm, um, moderately involved in politics and the truth movement as well as psychedelic research. And so I plan on getting, uh, deeper into the psychedelic research aspect of things, um, becoming a psychedelic counselor, studying shamanism in Peru, studying kind of shamanism all over the world, Zen Buddhism, and you know, I, I feel like uh, maybe I do a podcast. There's there's infinite possibilities for me, but what would make the most difference to me would be to continue to help people. So you know, I'm just going to try and keep working on myself so I can help even more people. What is a, you know, if I'm going to get out of bed in the morning, you know, if I'm looking for something to get me out of bed in the morning, it's not going to be being more famous or being, you know, the, the, the focus of attention for me, it would be about doing the most good for the most people and uh, helping people out. Just cause I've never heard of this. I'm an old fogey, as you know, what is the psychedelic movement? 
Uh, well, I, I mean, I think the psychedelic movement is sort of a, a growing awareness and a consciousness uh, that we don't have to accept things as like a mechanical viewpoint of the world. And um, psychedelics are used historically in a number of cultures and traditional shaman work, but also as we speak right now, there are soldiers being cured of PTSD through MDMA therapy. So it's basically uh, discover how to do a special technique of psychotherapy where they do psychotherapy sessions with you, uh, normal, irregular. And these are people with, it's called treatment-resistant PTSD. So these are people who are uncurable PTSD. And they take the psychotherapy in conjunction with MDMA. And they've also done it in conjunction with psilocybin and also cannabis. And they've been able to cure these people of PTSD. And the studies are showing even up to two years later. Uh, there's a group called MAPS, M-A-P-S. And they expect to have MDMA legalized as a prescribed substance by the year 2020. In, 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 on the West Coast, there will be psilocybin clinics. MDMA clinics opening up. Uh, it's a way to help people and it's a way to give people uh, the space and the room and the time to breathe and to see, to be able to look at themselves from an outside perspective and um, do, it's a, it's a medicinal way to do work on yourself. It sort of helps you scrub your brain clean so that the body can heal itself. I mean, I could go on for days regarding the, the massive benefits to medically controlled and distributed and uh, medically administered MDMA, LSD, psilocybin. There's really, truly healing benefits to all these things. And if you want to go back all the way to the old school days and the shamanism that I'm called to the Shavin culture in Peru, where people have been doing peyote uh, and Pedro ceremonies for 3,000 years, you know, it's very well documented uh, in the anthropological and archaeological studies. And uh, I really get a kick out of researching all that. And I think there's just a lot of possibilities in this world. We're only limited by our creativity and our imagination. But there are people that have been uh, have self-imposed roadblocks that put themselves in jail. And I think that these psychedelics, with one session or two or three, essentially medically administered sessions, and you don't need anything else after that. These are healing medicines that can cure depression, PTSD, and um, a wealth of other problems in the world that we have today. And for people who are interested in peace and love and spreading that message, uh, these are tools that can help spread it. Extremely interesting. And you are an extremely interesting person and a nice guy as well. Uh, thank you for your time. Matt Seidel, and uh, appreciate uh, uh, everything that you uh, have done and uh, look forward to following your career in the future. And and I might even come up with $75 and a plane ticket to L.A. to see if you could get me into Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Now, you piqued my interest. Beautiful. I'll have you sit right next to Meltzer. So, I hope you enjoyed that. want to thank Matt. Part of me wants to go meditate, and the other part of me wants to get a uh, on an airplane and go to a pro wrestling gorilla and see what the cult is all about, uh, because I was hoping to get to the bottom of that, 
And it seems like every time you try to get to the bottom of pro wrestling gorilla, there's more questions raised. It truly is like a cult. You can compare it to ECW. There's no comparison. I will make it on. I will now put on my bucket list to attend a show. I don't mind paying for it. I don't believe Dave Meltzer pays, by the way. Uh, but I believe Matt Seidel believes Dave Meltzer pays. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll get Dave on one day and, uh, he could discuss what's the difference between a three and a half star and a three and three quarter star match and whether he does indeed pay 75 bucks to sit ringside at pro wrestling gorilla. Again, if you want to follow uh, Matt Seidel, uh, you want to pick his brain on social media, follow him on Instagram. And uh, he gave you the Twitter address and the account information. I'll tell you what, there's nobody, any realer in this business, any more himself in this business, as you could probably hear from that interview than Mr. Seidel is. And uh, he's also, if you ever get a chance to see him, don't be afraid to go up and say hello. Tell him you heard uh, his interview on Sydney Ringside. And uh, he is a certainly down-to-earth guy, as you might imagine. So we thank Matt Seidel. Uh, this will complete uh, Impact Wrestling Month. We wanted to work with Impact to promote their promotion with Twitch. I want to remind you, if uh, you have Twitch and you're not Hooking up with Impact Wrestling, they're producing more and more content each and every week. And uh, so if you're a fan or you were a fan and, and haven't watched in a while, if you're a Matt Seidel fan for sure, you might want to check them out on Twitch, definitely. And I uh, want to thank Scott Delmore and want to thank Josh Matthews and want to thank Tyrus and uh, want to thank Matt Seidel and want to thank Ross Foreman from Impact Wrestling. Thank you, Ross. I've driven Ross about crazy. Thank you, Ross Foreman. Big shout out to Impact Wrestling. Now we're on the road to WrestleMania. We are looking to get some guests that have participated, uh, although uh, several of the guests that we had this month, they also participated and we discussed it with them. We're going to continue to talk WrestleMania, uh, the road to WrestleMania. We're going to continue to try and get the most interesting people in this business we can find each and every week. So again... We thank you for joining us. Uh, spread the word. Definitely, if you're not, uh, be sure to download each and every week, sitting ringside. And until next time, I am still sitting ringside. Uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The average person, based on our uh, proprietary research, has approximately 2,000 up to 3,000 thoughts every day. So that's the time you wake up, time you go to bed, every 12 seconds or shorter. Sometimes you can hold it longer. One thought. By the end of the day, you'll have ticked off maybe... Uh, 2,000 thoughts, maybe 3,000 thoughts. These thoughts that we have are either in the future or the past. You can't hold a future thought and a past thought simultaneously. And you can only uh, have a positive thought and a, and a negative thought, but not simultaneously. It's one or the other. Or you can just be completely immersed in the moment. As your thoughts increase, so does your breathing. Now, the correlation with lower thoughts, you'll have lower breathing. So the best in the world are going to have six, maybe eight, no more than 10 breaths a minute. And this is definitely a stress buster. 
The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.